Welcome back to Onto the Ball. I'm joined by a very familiar face, James O.B. O'Brien, Liverpool fan. He's back after a six-month <laughs> sabbatical. Uh, I'm delighted you're here, mate. How are you? Not too bad. How are you, Scott? Are you okay? I'm buzzing, mate. I'm buzzing. Um, as you know, we've not stopped talking in the Liverpool group chat. Obviously, you've been away for six months, swapping jobs and all, all the above, the stresses that come with life. And um, in the meantime, we've been thanks for putting up with me over the summer and my meltdowns, my FSG <laughs> out campaign. I can only call it a campaign. Um, you are always the sensible one that says, just wait and see, chill out. You don't know how these new players are going to settle. You don't know if we were ever in for Bellingham, all stuff like that. But here we are. I keep saying we're virtually top of the league, and we are. We're virtually top of the league. As long as you're up within three points, you are top of the league as far as I'm concerned. And we are up there. Oh, I can hear myself now. You still there? You're back. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Don't know what happened there. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, with regards to, to, to where we are, I think um, it was interesting over the summer to see the way Liverpool approached everything. I think it was um, there was a certain amount of realism in there as well. And they had to start looking in hidden little dark corners where other clubs maybe didn't look or other clubs didn't fancy picking up a player or sort of, and, and we kind of scouted them out. Um, I don't know who was doing that, but I think there was there, there was a couple of players in midfield that we've done really well with. Um, Mikhailson Slobosai. I would say I think there was a little bit of panic towards the end. Um, but I mean, I, you I, can see that in obviously the. I mean, we'll, I've put it down on the bottom, like summer transfer window, Bellingham han, hangover, Fabinho and Hendo leave unexpectedly. Obviously, George Schmacker was overseeing this this. Uh, negotiation at least over yeah. the summer for Jurgen Klopp as the um, director of football on a short-term contract, although it looks like it's been extended a little bit. Um, but obviously, yeah, it looked like we were trying to spread our money out and then certainly Gravenberg on the last day. That's not like us to be signing someone on the last day of the transfer window. Obviously, rival fans will call that a supermarket sweep, a panic buy. I don't know what happened because we were linked with him for pretty much six months, weren't we, really? And this, the transfer window opened um, and we still weren't making a move. Whether, I mean, we'll get on to it. I've got all banners mentioning Caicedo, Romeo Lavia. Obviously, we end up with Gravenberg. We ended up with Endo. But let, let's just start at the start. The Bellingham han hangover, OB. We've had words. Obviously, I am absolutely of the belief that he was signing for us. It was nailed on. And the way the summer went on, um, again, we'll get on to it with the Caicedo bid. If we were in for Caicedo at 110 million, we were in for Bellingham at 89 million. And I don't care what kind of wages he wanted, whether it was 400 grand, whether we'd have paid 400 grand, but certainly up in the upper echelons of what Salah is on. And especially with hindsight with Fabinho and Hendo leaving. What, what do yeah. you think went on there? Do you think hindsight, we'd have went for Bellingham and we pulled out too early? Because I think I it was April we pulled out, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, th I think he indicated he preferred Real Madrid. I really do. And I think that I, I got that feeling because we cooled a good couple of weeks before it was nailed on and was going to Real Madrid. And I think that's always the key behind these things. When you see a team cease their interest. It'll either be the money's too big and the money wasn't too big because the, the bids afterwards proved that it wasn't too big, I think. But I do think that um, I think he cooled interest on us. I really do. And I think he was sold the Real Madrid dream. I can't blame him for that, if I'm totally no, honest. And, and, in, and, in, and in hindsight, I mean, rival fans kept winding us up, didn't they? Like, you're not signing Bellingham. Why would he yeah. go... And take a gamble going to live on. I, I got to admit, I was thinking, I don't know how or why. I'll take it all day long, but yeah. I didn't see why he would come to us. And as it turned I, out, it proved. I thought he was. Um, I, I thought he was going to come at one point. I thought we've got into him. We've got into him. Like a couple of players got into him in the England squad, um, and then breaks and talked him into it. 
um, a lot of knowing looks when they're asked questions and stuff. And I started to buy into it. But when you actually put it down into sheer facts and obviously what happened afterwards with the Caicedo bid, it was never about the initial fee. It would have only been about the ridiculous wages that Bellingham's team would have wanted at the time. What What's the on it? At Real Madrid, Scott, what's your money? Rumor, yeah, four hundred k a week. Yeah, and I think I think only Salas in that ballpark with us as well. So therefore, it's a case of would we have been able to afford to do that in the structure of what we had, or would it cause further problems with uh, people such as Van Dyke and Allison? Will probably go. Hold on, I, I want a new deal off the back of that, and would that cause more problems in it and resolved? Or ultimately, and I think I think this is what happened, I think Bellingham cooled on us. And what he did was, out of a sign of respect, he gave the club the opportunity to go, look, we're, we're finishing our interest. And I think that's happened to, to, to keep to keep uh, everything clean. He seems like a nice lad. His, his team don't seem like they're particularly brutal, although obviously it's a money game, so the agents are always going to be out for themselves, but the family seem to have a massive part in that. And I think that Keeping us keeping us sweet for uh, three or four years down the line when he decides to come to us when we've won everything again will be the the the, the focus. <laughs> yeah. So basically, Real Madrid are just developing him for us yeah, until we're ready for him. Absolutely. I mean, um, the, the, the likelihood is he's going to be there for six years at least, um, maybe a bit longer. He'll still be not far off his peak. I imagine that a lot of finances will change with a lot of clubs. Um, if you think that the Newcastle model and the City model and teams like that, at some point further down the line, you might see him move to one of them clubs. He doesn't seem bothered about playing abroad, though, because he's now played in Germany and Spain. I mean, Paris Saint-Germain, given their financial situation as well, at some point they might make a move. Um, So there's there's loads of options open to him in all seriousness, and I think it'll be a case of at some point, it'll, it'll make one one more or maybe two more big moves in his career and then it'll be the, the, the super money for him and superstardom because he certainly looks like he's developing that way. You could say he's already there with a superstardom. Yeah, um, not to spend too much time talking about the Bellingham handover, uh, hangover, but why were we so heavily linked with him, do you think, OB? Do you think his, his star become stratospheric off the back of the World Cup? And it made him open his eyes, thinking I'm already there. Maybe. Um, I mean, it, it can only be what it is. And he realised he is worthy of the big contract straight away. He's arrived already. The, the development's already over. He's ready for Real Madrid now. The, the, the thing is, there's always these scouts and they talk to other clubs within the training room, training facilities. And I, I imagine that there'll be scouts at Dortmund who had got into training facilities at Dortmund and watching him regularly. In Germany, and and then they, they they would have said they would have said to Real Madrid, "This is now. This isn't a development. This is now. This guy's ready. He will have been absolutely storming it. Words gets round. There'll be there'll be players in Germany with preference towards Real Madrid as well. They'll be in training with him. They'll be playing against him. Going, he's a monster. He's a monster. Get him in because nobody nobody could be as good a scout as the guy who's up against him in a game. You know what I mean? Who go can't get near him. And you hear ex pros say that all the time." They just know that someone's going to be brilliant. Then, then rumours go around in football circles, whether it be internationally, there'll be people late and know each other, or whether it be a club preference or someone knows somebody at one of these clubs. And that'll be it. It'll be like, you need to get him now because he's ready. He's bursting and he's ready to go. And I imagine Real Madrid have got the ability to go, right, OK, we'll go on him. And, and they delivered. So ultimately, we, we moved on um, and we had to look elsewhere. Yep. And on that note, let's move on. Fabinho and Hendo leave unexpectedly. It was time, OB, wasn't it? Hendo it was. for me, definitely. But Fabinho, I've got this this yearning to see how Fabinho would be in this Liverpool side with Sabosley to his right and McAllister or Gravenberg to his left. But he looked like his legs had gone, Scott. He did, but was that because the, the we were struggling so bad? He had no legs around him. I'm yearning, especially off the back of signing Endo. No, I I'm, I'm not. I'm not convinced. I think he was late into a lot of tackles, and he was making a lot of mistakes in in the games, and he was actually putting the the defense under a lot of pressure. 
at points of last year. And I, I, I was surprised because he was, what is he, 29? 29, yeah. Yeah, so he's not. it's not like he's in his 30s and he's hit the dreaded Scott Nickel 30 and he's done. <laughs> Over he's, the hill, you're finished. Yeah, yeah he's, he wasn't quite there yet, but it does look like he's... He's, he's put a lot of miles on the clock and it, it looked like he was slower into tackles. I thought some of his decision-making wasn't great and whether he just didn't fancy it. I mean, ultimately, the club will know from the stats and they've got all the data and everything else to prove it. And they'll know medically if there was bigger issues. Um, and I imagine that both him and, him and Henderson have seen the writing on the wall and gone, we can cash in on our career here. We can go and do something. I think it suits everybody. And I don't think that window of opportunity into Saudi Arabia is going to be so easy for so long. So I think that it was right that, that the then players left at this point. And then it was a case of what can we get in? We haven't got Bellingham. Um, how do we develop that? And we seem to move very, very quickly into McAllister, which says to me that it was a it was a decision that was already made and probably made some time ago and the agreement was there um, probably before the end of last season. Absolutely. We've got to move on. We've got to touch on the Caicedo bid. The real Caicedo bid? Phantom Caicedo bid? Was we'll, it we'll real? Never, we'll never know, will we? We'll never know. I was... I was hours, wasn't it? I was, remember, I was on, I was on Friday. Were you on holiday? Yeah. I was Caicedo Friday and I woke up and I seen my phone um, and it was like, we're bid, he's coming to us. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I want him so bad. And then what ensued in the next 24, not just the next 24, the next 48 hours with Caicedo only wants Chelsea. And then 12 hours later, they want Romeo Lavia as well. And our heads were just spinning. Yeah, it was it. It has gone down here. It was a strange, strange couple of days. I mean, I was I was on holiday, so I was two hours ahead of, ahead of uh, British time, time wise. And I was I, I, I get up quite early on a holiday and go and like take a walk down the beach and watch sunrise and stuff. And Secure I was just, sunbeds. yeah, yeah, absolutely. You 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 know, I'm I'm that sort of guy. I'm down there. I'm like pulling pulling all bits together to make sure we've got the right table and everything. I'm one of them, mate. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically, it was uh, it looked like it was happening for a period of time. We went big on it. Um, I don't know whether we just were prodding Chelsea to go hard and maybe distract them somewhere else. But you don't play that sort of Russian roulette with 111 million quid or whatever it was. It, was it more just Lavia's feelings, wasn't it? Because he yeah. really was nailed on to come to us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I, he, was, he was on the bench, so he'd obviously indicated to the club, I'm going to Liverpool, don't play me. His, his head wasn't right. Yeah. And then it it's, backfired on us massively. Well, it did, but I suppose the question is, given what we ended up going for, were these boys both supposed to play number six? They were, weren't they? So ultimately, mm. what... Where was this money coming from, and why wasn't it distributed? So, you know what I mean? Because we ended what we ended up doing. We got Endo in for how, how much was he? He weren't much. Sixteen was million down, and then and then Grav for how much? I think that was thirty-two down. Yeah. So so basically, the price for Romeo Lavia was spent on yeah. Endo and Gravenberg. Absolutely, absolutely, and um, I think that's that's where the money was. I don't really see where that money was for Caicedo, but it happened. So it's a strange one. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we'll ever know. We'll never know. And look, come on, this is Liverpool under FSG. There was never £110 million there. It must have been some sort of Russian roulette gamble, like you say, to push Chelsea. But if Chelsea backed out and said, yeah, all right, I'd love to have known what happened. It yeah, would have been exactly. talked about for years, like Peter Odenwingi turning up at QPR. Oh, Imagine oh, Caicedo oh, turning up at Melwood for a medical, and we're like, oh, we haven't got the 111 million. <laughs> but I'm, 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 I'm wondering, I'm wondering if the, it was the case that we were we we were going to go for him and see what happened, and just try to try to like push it against Chelsea, knowing that there was a that there was a only a small percentage, but if they landed him, they landed him and they'd be happy. I wonder if that, that was from his, um, where his agent spoke about the pain 
um, of that day where Brighton contact him and say, go to Liverpool for a medical. <clears throat> so, it, like, it must have been on. Yeah. Well, well. If I'll, I'll, the I'll M6 look... up to Liverpool to, for a medical, what would happen then? I wonder where I wonder where that sixty million quid's gone, then that mm. that we were going to spend on that on that player. Whether we've whether we're going to reuse that in January, we'll wait and see, won't we? Yeah. Um, so we signed Sabosley, McAllister, Endo, and Gravenberg. We don't even need to talk about Endo, do we? Obi haven't seen enough of him. He looks like he's he's a busy player. I don't think he's terrible. I think he'll yeah, he's not, find he's not terrible, but we've seen enough in the way. Europa League. He turns slower than Harry Maguire, and yeah. I know it's an easy. I know you could say obviously because my opinion on thirty-year-old players, but when I watch him, I'm like, you're not getting in the Premier League. Yeah, and, and he, no one even tips him a start on a Saturday or a Sunday, do they? I imagine, given the price tag, um, relatively speaking, I think he he come in knowing he would have to try and prove himself, and he's chosen to take that route, knowing that he'll probably be a bit part player unless he does something amazing. And he's banked, he's backed himself. So I, I like the idea of having someone in the team like that or in the squad like that, because it's, it's very possible that he could come good. Um, and it's, and it's a, it's a worthwhile, worthwhile gamble really for the amount of money it is in relative terms. I mean, realistically, he's taken Milner, Oxley chamberlain position in the squad, isn't he? Seventh, eighth choice CM. Yeah. So for, you talk about that kind of money, um, you know, if he's box to box, he's got the energy, if that's what he's renowned for. Yeah, it, it might not be a bad um, acquisition when you factor in FA Cup games, League Cup games, Europa League, that could be upwards of 20 games over the season if we got to the final, couldn't it? So he's going to definitely get games for sure. Absolutely. Um, so Bosley. I mean, we're, we're running out of words of him already. Like yeah. Liverpool fans, I've seen a poll today. They've voted him our best player so far, player of the year so far. Um, obviously, it's only been 10, 11 games, including Europe. Um, but Sabosley, he looks the real deal. Is it? Are we rightfully getting carried away? I think what surprised me most about him, considering he's coming to a new league, is that he looks like he's grabbing games by the throat, Scott. Mm. And that's through... A quality touch, a will. Um, his pace surprised me. I don't know if he surprised you with his pace, but he's rapid. Everything, and, everything and, about him, all his attributes, height, yeah. strength, box-to-box pace, his yeah. shot. He's got a great shot on him, as we all know it's, now. It's, it's, ta- it's tackling as well. It's, I mean, it's it, the way he wins the ball, ball back so consistently is just like, it feels like we're, like I said, at, at the top of the top of the pod um it feels like we've gone into the deepest darkest corners but he's not a real surprise in as much as i've heard of him and i'd heard about him and i'd heard he was a good player in germany and he's well thought of in germany and it was like always like he's the hungarian captain i believe and he he, he was like a future super superstar but nobody's really taken the chance on him so i don't know what that was but klopp's obviously gone I want this guy. He's got everything that we need, and it's it's proven right. And the speed he's settled at is absolutely fantastic. Even at that game yesterday at Brighton, where there was moments where it was tough, and I think last season would have lost that game. I felt like he was somebody who was making sure that we didn't, and he was doing everything in his power to make sure that we weren't going to lose that game. And he was still trying to win it, and he was trying to be positive all around the pitch and. Basically, a complete midfielder, which is why he's getting unfairly compared to Stevie G, which is, <laughs> is it, it. It, it isn't it isn't right because he hasn't done it for over a consistent period of time. He's what we eight games into the, the the Premier League season. There's been a few obviously cup games here and there in different competitions, and it's very very early to be saying things like that. But it's a very very strong start, and it does make me think that we've got someone very special. Let's get carried away, Obi. Um, <laughs> I absolutely love it. Um, obviously, McAllister, we know all about him. A World Cup winner. He's been getting a bit of grief after the performance yesterday. Away to Brighton. I don't think it's fair at all. Yeah, he had a stinker. An absolute stinker for 90 minutes. Um, culpable for the first goal. Probably more Van Dyke for me, but definitely he was so slow to receive the ball. 
no awareness of what was around him. And then it went downhill from there. He was misplacing passes all over the park all the time. Out of actually took him off in the second half, put on an extra defender, gone five at the back like we did against Spurs. But we'll get on to that. But McAllister, it's unfair on him. He's getting played as a CDM number six. Obviously, we're asking him to do a job there. It's not his natural position, but you know, I'm not going to slate him for doing his best there. No, absolutely. No. He's he's clearly an eight or a ten, Scott, isn't he, in the way he plays. Yeah. And he's he needs he needs to be in them positions because I don't think his his all round game is where it needs to be. I mean, you could probably put Slobosai in, in, in his is a six and he would do a better job, I believe, but you'd maybe lose something. Um I think McAllister has been played slightly out of position in some of the games, but I think Klopp knows that and he's getting him to to to, to really just put everything in. Um, I think he was sacrificed a little bit for the team yesterday um, because it isn't his natural position. I think it was possibly the right thing to do. Um, I did feel for him with a goal, but how many goals have we seen across the Premier League this season where the ball gets played out and cut out? It's mm-hmm. happening game after game or it's nearly a goal. And you look yeah. across even the games yesterday and the games over the weekend, it's just like, Playing out from the back has got so much danger. Now, I know it's risk and reward, but we are seeing teams who are getting very clever about how they they close down. Mm-hmm. And I think the key the key to be able to do it is communication. They need to be able to talk to each other. And I yeah. think that that will come in time. So I think it's one of them that it's a learning and they'll probably be on the, the training ground working out what the hell they did wrong today, maybe tomorrow and what they can do to prevent that in the future and that particular pattern of play and how Brighton closed it down. But it looked bad and it, I felt sorry for him, but um, I think the ball from Van Dijk was was the wrong ball. Um, no favours, did it? No, it didn't. No, no it didn't. No, it didn't. Um, Grabenbeck, obviously we haven't seen enough of him. Um, he's been lighting up the Europa League. He got his first goal for us on Thursday night. I can't believe he didn't start yesterday. I thought Klopp got it wrong, starting Harvey Elliott. Uh, I thought he got it wrong with a four-diamond two formation, four-four-two, whatever you want to call it. Um, Gravenbeck should have started on the left off the back of his performance Thursday night. You, you can just see he's ready. He, his touches are so so assured. He's, he's going to suit the Premier League. Um, and... Yeah, I was. I'd have put money on it. He'd have started yesterday with Curtis Jones being out. He seemed the, the natural option, um, and I tweeted it last night. It's not often that Jurgen Klopp will change his formation depending on the opposition. Um, probably Man City would do it. You know, he's tried that four-two-four a lot, but it's props to Brighton. Obviously, giving Deserbi a lot of respect that Klopp done it yesterday. But I thought he got it wrong. Did you? Yeah, I think I. I could see why he did it. Um, because it, it meant that we had that extra man, and once we beat that press, we can then we can then get a lot of ball in the middle of the park, um, and that diamond would p- provide that in the right circumstances. But it, it didn't feel particularly right. Um, he, he, he trusts Elliot; he does trust him, and he trusts him to do a job for the team. Um, I don't think he's got quite as uh, high a ceiling as uh, as Grav, and I think that. What is going to happen is I'm, I'm I, you know who I'm particularly looking forward to seeing playing together, Grav and Cody Gakpo. I just mm. want to see them playing together because the touches and the 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 movement I think will be it will be right up Cody's C- C- Cody's type of game. I think there'll be a lot of movement, and I think once we get him going and get McAllister into more attacking areas, I think we'll start to see some real good movement between them. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how he, how he, how he, what his go-to team is, um, how he decides to pick what his best eleven is. Because we've got, um, I think it's the, towards the end of November, we've got City, um, yeah. and then, and then well. yeah, and then we've got United in December, and mm. he'll he'll know by then, I think, what he wants to go to and how he wants to to function, um, and that'll be interesting to see. But I would I would have thought that Grab will probably be there. Um, that leads me on to my next bullet point, big hole in CDM, heavily linked with Andre and Dekure in the summer. 
it ultimately come to nothing, although we have still been linked with Andre in January. But that, what do we, how do we solve this problem? Obviously, we've just touched on McAllister. He's only a stopgap. He's not the long-term solution. We've got Thiago to come back still. He's struggling for fitness. He's been out for about six months now, isn't he? He's, he's yeah. made of crisps. Um, but I've seen a lot of people mention that he played number six for Bayern Munich in the Champions League final uh, against PSG, was it? And then obviously you've got Gomez could go right back with Trent in CDM. There's all options there. Which which do you think is the most viable? And and think about like a game like you say away to Man City. I think I think if you look at the CDM position, it seems to be the one in the modern football tactics. If you look at the the the, the leading managers, they they'll look for a CDM that they can rely on and a CDM that's going to lead them as a team. Um, I would suggest that, I'll dare I say it, the 60-odd million we didn't spend in the summer in the failed Caicedo bid, and we ended up spending a bit of, a bit of that on on uh, Endo and Grav. I think um, that money should be used to get in a really, really top CDM. I don't know who I'd prefer, in it, if I'm totally candid, I haven't seen enough. I'm not overly struck on Decore, if I'm being honest. I don't think anyone is. No, and uh, I, it was literally not... you were going down to the eighth, ninth choice best CDM in the league, and it's like, come yeah. on, branch out further than that. And then obviously the Andre rumors broke, and everyone was looking over towards Brazil to see how he was doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably more exciting, but I don't know how good he is. I haven't seen enough of him. Um, but, I mean, imagine Klopp scouring Europe and looking for somebody. So it's a case of what, what does he do and when? That brings us on to Salah. All these Saudi rumours. Oh, that dear. was a tough. It was a tough week with obviously the English transfer window being closed. The Saudi window was open for another seven days. I mean, he's obviously fundamental to everything good that we do. He's our standout world-class player. He's our shining light. Uh, I don't know how else you can describe him, but when that bid, if it was real, heads towards 200 million OB or even up to 250 million at 31 years old with one year on, left on his contract next summer, that was a tough week. I actually went on record. I said if they offered 200 million that first week of September, I don't see how we could have turned it down. I mean, 200 million is like you could buy Everton for 200 million, couldn't you? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. It I'm gets not a point where you cannot say no to it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm over the moon that we've kept him. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting because it depends. It depends what you've got lined up. So if you're selling him, I would strongly suggest that you need to have someone else lined up and an agreement in place with somebody to bring bring a player of quality in. What you've got to remember is. I don't. I don't think there's many players in the world who provide the goals and assists. So, do you want that for another year and risk losing it all, or do you take the money and then go hunting out and pay probably fifty million too much for a, a superstar somewhere? Um, it, it's a tough one, and I imagine it's caused caused a lot of sleepless nights within the Liverpool board. I don't think. I don't think there's anybody who comes into my mind who could replace Salah that yeah, would be available. No. That would be available, and I, I think you'd be looking at signing two Ob two yeah. to replace his output of assists, goals, and to be the talisman of the team. Um, absolutely, and it's 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 and obviously two hundred million would give you that wriggle room to find it, though, wouldn't it? It, it would up to a point, but every time you go near somebody, it, 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 the price will just be ridiculous if you're walking around with that in your back pocket and it's known. So the, the, the business needs to be done. If we're going to sell them in January, business needs to be done now and the agreement needs to be in place. And on the 1st of January or 2nd of January, we put up a nice little thing with a Christmas tree saying we've signed this player and and we all go, wow, that's good, but that means Salah's going and everybody's happy, you know what I mean? And we've got them for the right amount of money. Just like the Van Dyke Coutinho Christmas then. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. uh, Obviously, being devil's advocate, what is going to happen? He's not going to go in January. I can't see that. I I I cannot see that. But then next summer, we either extend his deal by another two years, giving us three years, taking him up to the age of 35, which is a huge gamble, or we cash in. 
I, I think the key is not us. I think the key is the value of Salah to the Saudi league. And I don't know what that is. And I think that's a difficult one. I imagine the Saudis are going away going, what value does this give us? Um, he's obviously the, 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 the main Muslim player, most popular Muslim player in the world. And that gives them a massive amount of um, kudos in, in what they're doing and obviously their larger project. I think it makes sense. It's a natural move for that league to go after that guy because he is the poster boy of um, of whole of Africa and he's the poster boy of the uh, the, the Muslim world and he's the he's the poster boy of 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 large parts of the the Liverpool fan base as well. So I mean, you'd get interest from so many different angles. I think he's is he the most active, um, most list. Um, followed active footballer on Instagram or something like that. He's, he, he's like, it's ridiculous. Um, the amount of uh, likes and and things, everything he posts up Scott. So there is the value in that. Is there, is there exposure in that? And what do they want to do longer term? Because that's, that's going to decide how they then make the decision on what he's worth. And if they come in and like you say, if the numbers starts with a two, He's going, he's going, and he'll go in January. And then it's a case of do do the Saudis then agree with Liverpool beforehand and talk to them and go, look, it's going to be start of a two. Liverpool say we start looking for somebody else then and we'll, we'll get that deal in place quickly because I, I can see it happening in January. I really can. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's going to be a lean Christmas. Um, <laughs> right, let's get on to the start of the season, OB. Chelsea draw. I'm still not over that handball from that corner. <laughs> However, after last uh, yesterday's game, I've seen them handball by Van Dijk given. So to me, that's kind of levelled it out. And they do say it levels out over the season. So the Chelsea uh, corner header, it was going into the goal. The hand stopped it from going in the goal. Yesterday, I've seen Van Dijk's given. So that cancels that out. The Bournemouth win, McAllister red card. It gets rescinded. How on earth is there VAR? And Reds cards getting rescinded on appeal. Newcastle win. We all know what happened there. <laughs> Another red card, this time for Van Dyke And then Darwin Nunes, he's, he's arrived. Um, I mean, let's just have a word about Darwin Nunes, OB. I'd, you know me, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I either say players are the best in the world or I write them off definitively. I wrote Darwin Nunes off. I said he's, he's not going to make it as a Liverpool striker. And I'm almost saying it is like reverse psychology. The next minute he bags two against Newcastle for the win and he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, what what two strikes were they? Uh, for obviously, is for us, for the three points, him for his confidence, but he needs to be doing that more often. And it's them chances he gets where he has minimal time to think that he shows his best. The thing is, you get the best and worst of him in every game. He's just yeah. one of them players and it's difficult to to accept sometimes because he missed a sitter last week, didn't he? Absolute mm -hmm. sitter. And it was, that was terrible. And um, yeah. it just makes you wonder how, how he's so inconsistent and what they're doing in the background to try and make him more consistent. The strikes against Newcastle were absolute top draw. You'd expect that from probably one of the best players in the world. And you'd expect that. That was the Benfica striker Nunes, wasn't it? It was. It was. It was the one. It was the one that Van Dyke was going. I struggled to play against him, and you could see you can see that come through every so often. And he'll do it when you least expect it, and he seems to do it when we're up against it as well, which is so strange. It's like he almost needs to be in that siege mentality to then go. Well, okay, I'm I'm going to finish this. Um, instinctive. I don't think he's. He's, he's he's not a great finisher sometimes, though, is he? I mean, he's an inconsistent finisher, but he's got all of the ability to be better than he's, he's shown so far. And that was just a little glimpse of it. It was, it was stunning, absolutely stunning. I went absolutely berserk. Um, <laughs> kids, kids went berserk. Were really happy, and it was a, it was an amazing win. And it was it felt like it was a a real moment for the for for the team as well, where the like the the team spirit. Was was drawn together, and it, it, we backed it. Then we went backed it up with good wins against um, Villa, and then it was was it West Ham after that. Villa, 
Then it was a Wolves win. That was a good win as well. Yeah, really good win. A goal down. We're always a goal down. West Ham yeah, were the... a goal up, but they got back to one each. Yeah. And then <laughs> the Spurs lost, lost OB. I mean, we've got to touch on it. I mean, VAR, PGMOL, Howard Webb, they are absolutely destroying football. Even since this Spurs game yesterday, how did Kovacic not get a red card? Not for the second. The first one was a red card. If Curtis Jones's was a red card, and it was a red card because we appealed Curtis Jones's and it didn't get overturned. Yeah. So if they're happy that Curtis Jones is a red card, then Kovacic was a red card yesterday. Then he See, had the second yellow, didn't give it. It's just these refs are just bottling out of these decisions. And honestly, you can almost see it. They don't know. They've ruined the game. This whole, is it handball? Is it not handball in the box? No one knows the rules anymore. No, no. And it's an happen And you're like, oh, and also yesterday, the Brighton game, the penalty on Darwin Nunes. How was that not a red card? It was a goal yeah. scoring chance. Oh, it was a uh, Slobosai, wasn't it? Yeah, got, sorry, yeah, what did back, I say? yeah. Nunes. Nunes. Yeah, Slobosai. Yeah. But like they've lost the plot. But yeah, back to Spurs, back to the Spurs offside. Like I think I think the you called it, you said it straight away. Um, you actually messaged and said, I think that's onside. And it, no, I said that's onside. Yeah, you could see yeah. the eye, the eye yeah, could see. Yeah. And I was like, yes, I was off the couch being like, right, this is and, it. We're down to uh, ten men, but we're one nil up. Yeah, and I was thinking, yeah, that's weird. So they must have they must have got the point of the ball being kicked wrong. That's what I thought in my head. So I thought they must have not quite got the still of the right moment. And VAR's looked at that and it, we're seeing something and they haven't updated on the screen. That's what I thought. I thought it's because it's 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 close-ish. I mean he's he's on side, don't get me wrong, he's on side. But you could see like if it was another half a second before he let the ball go. But that clearly wasn't the case. It was just an absolute mess. Um do you know it's what I think mad. the biggest thing was? I think it was another Howard Webb um, intervention of where they, they, they must have a meeting every Friday. And that weekend's be buzzword quick. was be quick. quick. Yeah. So they were it like, felt right, like, let's that. Be quick. Let's, like, not every, and they were like, yeah, yeah, check complete. Oh, yeah, take the free kick. The mad like, thing was it was, the, it was the machine operator himself who called it and went, this is wrong. So the guys who are officials, they're qualified referees. They're responsible for making that decision and then overseeing when it's referred back to VAR. They're obviously not either not watching the game or something's wrong. Mm. They're probably giving themselves a little backslap for turning it round so quick. But if it's that Baron England that's been suspended, Ob, and I think he's been suspended indefinitely. Correct me if I'm wrong, or you know better. But he's been suspended indefinitely, so he won't be on VAR for the rest of this season. And do you know who the biggest culprit was? I think the ref. Yeah. The ref. I mean, we've done seen that mic'd up with uh, Howard Webb and Michael Owen going through the Van Dyke sending off. The ref is talking all the way through. Right, I think it's a red card. Talk me through yeah. what happened. I'm just checking it back now. And he's talking to the VAR and he's talking to even Van Dyke. He's like, just hang on a minute. If he says it is, then you're going off. It's a red card. And he was talking. Yeah. That Simon Hooper, the ref, was just silent the whole way. Why was he not talking to him and be like, uh, the linesman thinks it's off. I'm not so sure, but have a check. Yeah. Like, he was saying nothing. The Do only you... word he said was check complete. And you hear the ref go off. Um. As, as, as you know, like I'm, I'm quite into my cricket, and what happens in the cricket is where you get a review, and and it's the same technology, and it's the same conversations, and they they always start it with right, okay, I've got a review here because what they can do is they can they can appeal, so they basically go, I want to review that decision, and that's what they do, and then it goes upstairs, and they go, okay, I've got appeal for this, the on-field decision is out. You know what I mean? And then straight away, straight away, that that whole conversation, that whole mistake doesn't happen. Now, yeah. if they've been reviewing other technology, the reason that's probably come to be in place with cricket, and it's probably the same with rugby. I don't watch enough rugby, but I know there's a lot of good communication. Howard Webb should have took that into, into the, 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 the sport right at the start, if that's what he wanted to do. And, or, or the guy, was it Mike Riley beforehand? Whoever it is, they need to make sure it's, it's it's delivered in the right way. And it's just so frustrating that 
it's just basically communication amongst a load of people who should know better. But I keep saying this, the technology isn't to blame. The technology oh, is the technology. 100%. It's If you get a load of idiots and they keep making the same decision and you give them new technology, what are you expecting them to do with the new technology? Just make this make poor decisions around that. And it, it, Who was it, it that said at the weekend, Obi? It's not the car. It's the yeah. driver. Someone, yeah. one of the managers said it. Yeah. Well, that's a good yeah. way of putting it. It um, is. Sorry, man. I'm just jumping in the comments. Serdow's joined us. Serdow founders on the Man United Galatasaray uh, live stream, 3-2 Galatasaray. Cheers for joining again, mate. Uh, really appreciate it. Looking forward to the the um, Galatasaray welcoming Man United. Welcome to Hell rematch. We'll be streaming that for sure. Um, but on the uh, that VAR, isn't it kind of weird that Howard Webb and the refs have introduced this 10-minute injury time, 12-minute injury time. And players like Rafael Varane have been up against it saying, look, we play enough games without adding an extra 10% on. And you can kind of see it, but to me, it was solving a problem that wasn't really there. How many people have ever said, oh, well, I've timed it and there should have been 19 minutes added on, there was only three. Like, yeah. they've solved the problem that wasn't there. But how mad is it that they've added all this extra time on for stoppages and then ordered the VAR and the refs to hurry up making these decisions. So they hurried up the wrong decision in the Spurs match, and then they add on 12 minutes injury time yesterday in the Villa Wolves match. Yeah, it's it makes bizarre. no sense. I you're think either the, hurrying the, through it or you're or you're not. Yeah, there's certain games where the uh, amount of injury time is really high, and then there's other ones where there's there's, there's hardly any, and there's no consistency no behind times, that. The whole thing just doesn't make any sense for me as well. I just want to talk about the Curtis Jones red card. Um, I can see why they've said it's dangerous, but there's no intention behind it. His foot's rolled over the ball and it's changed the position of his foot and the studs have gone up as a result of that. Um, that's less of a red card than what happened yesterday in the Arsenal City game. Um, so I agree. The, it wasn't a the, red card. Yeah, there's an inconsistency there. Um, You've seen the way his, his boot went in, Obi. He was trying yeah. to sweep the ball away from the defender and it rolled over it. It yeah, was unfortunate. Absolutely. It was unfortunate. It it looked nothing. And I think my understanding is the letter of the law is it's not about the intent, it's about the fact it happened. So ultimately, if that's the case... Yeah, but also, they said they're not going to re-ref the game. The ref seen it, the ref gave a yellow card. So then you're going into the realms of, does the VAR operator think he's a better ref than the on-field ref? Well, it's it's the it's the VAR ref, isn't it? It's the VAR ref that thinks he's a better ref because the VAR operator seems to be the only person in the VAR booth who actually knows what they're talking about. So, but then uh, then you're talking about a pecking order, aren't you? Imagine yeah, Mike you Dean, arrogant Mike Dean. I can't stand that guy. Imagine he was on the pitch and it was a an inexperienced ref in the VAR. Would he would he have had the confidence to say, yeah. uh, Mike, you've made a mistake there. I think that's a red card. Yeah, but the, the, like it's interpretation, isn't it? It's subjective. Do, do, do you know what the problem is with referees? And we draw this all back is the reason VAR was brought in was they were rubbish. They were absolutely mm. terrible. And anybody who says, oh, it was better beforehand, it wasn't. They were actually getting so much wrong over time. There was a need for, for technology. We brought it in. We put them in charge of it. And they're making an absolute hash of it. But the people that they've brought up are so, are so blinkered in the way they are. They've had so much crap thrown at them as well, that they're now so, like, insulated and they, they, they just won't see anything any other way. They speak with absolute confidence. You listen to Mike Dean having an argument oh, with um, Merson, and he's, it's Mad. like, I, I can't listen to him because he's so sure that he's right and he's part of the problem. And oh, he'll massive, never, ever, massive. ever know that because he's he if, during his time, and he was one of the most prominent refs, he got so much wrong that Vars coming in the first place. And now he's going about talking about points where he's gone, oh, I need to give a referee a bit of a, a bit of a break and I haven't overturned one. I'm like, mate, you're corrupt. You're yeah, everything corrupt. that's wrong with a sport. But how how do we Cheating. get to the point? Yeah, how do we get to the point where we go back and go, okay, we need to start getting the right type of referees in? And I would say they need to be younger, they need to be more educated, they need to be more technology based. They need to understand the game. And that, there's a lot of criteria there. And it would be a lot of 
lot of training to get people to be Premier League referees. But I think we need to start bringing them through and need to start educating them, whether they be ex-pros. I'm not overly keen on that. But maybe somebody, somebody young, somebody professional, somebody who's fit, somebody who understands the technology, can use the technology, understands the, the, the decisions that have been made, it, basically educated people. It I've needs to be a ego. new body, a it new does. independent body. And it, it can does. be it can comprise of ex players partly, but it can it should comprise of experts in the field, the kind of experts that give the referees training. I mean, there must be a panel of experts that actually train referees. That should be a kind of body, a dozen of them, twenty of them that are on VAR with some ex pros and you know yeah. oversee it. Um, Who, but it, it's just a shambles and it's getting worse. Who's the best referee around at the moment? can't think of any to be honest i hate them all and who's and how many good referees have we had in the last 30 years worldwide you can only think of that kalina can't you yeah and the that's Italian it referee. and i think i think that that in itself is the problem now there might be good refs abroad i would seriously consider bringing in some refs from abroad because i think they can't be any worse than this lot and I'd, I'd i'd pick the best ones out of some of these league pay them a bit more money and just bring them in for the next three six years until we bring for our own generation of, of, of decent referees. But then off the back of the Spurs game, did you see the Forest Palace, was it, on the Sunday? Yeah. Did you see I think it was nil no, but did you see the keeper take down the striker or something like that? Yeah. It yeah, was a stonewall penalty again. VAR not interested, didn't look at it. No. And you think you're just digging yourselves a hole. Well, there was there was one yesterday where um, was it yesterday where Watkins was pushed over as well. Did you see that yesterday? No. He basically was pushed off a ball before he got a chance to shoot, um, and it was away at Wolves. And VAR reviewed it and didn't give a penalty. Scott, it was an absolute stonewaller, and oh, he, because he got the shot off, he didn't give it. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. But he was pushed. He was off balance. He would have scored because he's, he's a decent striker and. It, it was just like that's not the right decision, and it it it's not it's not as subjective as they're making it out to be because they'll just go as oh, subjective. Some people think this, some people think that. Letter of the law, blah blah blah. But at the end of the day, it's it's not it's not as subjective as they think it is. It's some of them are quite obvious, and if you took the colours away from the teams, I, I imagine that ninety nine point nine percent of the people would give a penalty for what happened yesterday. Yeah. And you got to, as well, they've got to detach themselves from what the ref on the pitch seen. VAR, at the same time, should be like, I don't care what the ref's given. I'm looking at this in an isolated incident, and I'm looking at it. Is that a push? Yes. Is it a foul? Well, yeah, of course. It's a penalty then. Yeah. But they're not. They're like, oh, did you see that, Tails? Did you? I'm not sure. Yeah. Maybe you want to I... look. No, I'm comfortable. It wasn't all right. Yeah. Like, and what? That, Who's and that... in charge? And that's what I'm saying. They don't need camaraderie between them. We need the best yeah. ones from each each part of the world. And you know what? It's a competition. You've got to be in it. And if you want the biggest games and you want renewed your contract with a referee and we pay a whopping amount of money, you need to make sure you're the best. And that, if that means telling your mate it's wrong, that's what should happen. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, Twitter and social media was a crazy place for the few days after the Spurs game. Obviously, everyone was calling us moaning ass Liverpool fans and, you know, rightly so. But, you know, we're obviously painting it that we're trying to get it improved for every single club because we're talking about these incident incidences every single week, every single game. And then obviously it was the whole replay. Should it be a replay? Look, it's not going to be a replay. Um, but... From a Liverpool selfish point of view, no one knows more than us what it takes to match City for the last five years. We've missed out on the league by one point twice. Yeah, Losing that one point or maybe even three points against Spurs, it's because of how tight we know the league gets that how crazy it was. And I will be, I mean, we'll be heartbroken anyway. If we lost out on the league on one, two or three points, you'll always look back to this Spurs game of what could have been. Absolutely. And I think I think there's two parts to that. We're absolutely right to feel like we've been done over in probably the worst VAR mess up so far. But equally, I and I said to you um, recently as well that I, I don't think Klopp should have said anything about the replay because what that then did is it gave the media the opportunity to move the agenda away from the fact that 
the PGMOL were making loads of mistakes and the referees aren't up to it. We should have kept on that page and we should have just said, look, it's not for us to talk about whether it should be replayed. We just want it to be right in the first place. So what what are you doing to change that right now? And it, it's not about us getting a, a game replayed, in my opinion, because it was it, it's never going to happen. And I don't yeah. think it's the right look to say it because what it does is it gives everybody the opportunity to talk about something else. And you know what? You know what the media are like. They'll they'll run a story for a day or two, then they coerce Klopp into saying what he thinks because he's quite straight talking. Next thing you know, it's about Jurgen Klopp says he, in his opinion he should have replayed it. And it's and like Simon Jordan saying always the victim and all that. Yeah, exactly. Horrible, exactly. Horrible man. Yes, absolutely. You know I'm on that page. <laughs> yes, right. Let's move on to more positive things. Eight games in, five aways already in the bag. And tougher ways as well. Who fancies going to Brighton away, Spurs away, Newcastle away and Chelsea away? We've ticked all them off straight away. We're right up in the top four, right in the mix. Um, it's been a great start. Let's Let's have it right. Yeah, three three points off the top of the table, um, sitting in fourth place, um, going to the international break, um, chance to work with the players who are still there, um, chance for them to bond a bit more and get them communication lines going, understand what they're trying to do. Klopp gets a couple of weeks of practice with a certain amount of players. I mean, there'll be a few on international duty. We know that. It's the nature of the game. Um but it just gives us an opportunity to reset a little bit, look at what, look at where we are. Um, I'm really pleased. I think, I think we couldn't have asked for much more. I think the game away to Spurs doesn't sit right with me. Um, mm. And if we'd have got something out of that, would have been even closer. But ultimately, I think it's it, it can't. We can't then let that um, shadow cast over us for the for the for the rest of the season. We need to just get on with it do what we need to do and, and push on, really. But it does look positive. We are playing some nice football. We have got the ability to concede the first goal and score and then come back and score a few. And we've seen that in the Wenda games. Um, but if we can if we can nab that and really get the defence working right, I think we could, be, we could be in for a very good season. I can't wait. Uh, biggest plus so far. What's the biggest positive of these first? Uh, well, eight league games, 10-11, all in. I think I think it's the way the new boys have settled in overall. I think the way they've settled in, I think that they've uh, they've shown enough to give us that there's a uh, the, the the midfield rebuild has overall looked successful so far, and it's very very early days. Mm. I think we've got some really quality, good quality players. We look fresher than we did last season in the middle of the park. I think the attackers are benefiting off that, um, and. Our superstar Mo Salah is still doing the business, and it's like is he all getting of... better, Obi? Oh, I, I was driving home tonight thinking of this potty with you, and I was thinking, <clears throat> yeah, he might not have the same pace as he did three, four years ago, but I think he might be getting better. He's stronger, isn't he? He's, he's yeah. all that muscle he's put on. Um, he's quick enough to be able to get to the ball first. He's clever enough for his runs. He scares teams to death at times in games, and they double up on him. Every time Allison gets the ball in his hands, teams panic because they're looking to see where Salah is and what run he's making. And we saw that with Brighton yesterday, where they didn't—they got away with one, but it was basically the—I think um, they were panicking because they thought that Salah was going to get it. You know, remember like the um, goal against City last season? Um, I think he's a, a brilliant out ball every single time because he drifts into wide positions. He'd be horrible to play against, wouldn't he? And um, he's he's quality. He really is. He's he's our world class footballer, and without any shadow of a doubt. And it's it it makes what might happen in the next six ten months even more difficult to work out. Absolutely, uh, we've got to give a nod to the defence because obviously we had this midfield rebuild. And we've all said uh, January, maybe not January, but next. Uh, summer, we've got to be looking at not rebuilding the defence, but certainly reinforcing the defence. But we've had Van Dijk out uh, suspended. We've had Konate injured. We've had Trent injured. And we've had Gomez come in. Matip seems to have a new lease of life. Um, 
I think we've coped fantastically defensively, considering when you think of the first eight games, players mixing and being in and out for various reasons I've just mentioned. But then, of course, Alisson. Alisson is playing better this season than he's ever played. He's comfortably the best keeper in the world. Uh, I was we take just it for granted as well, don't we, Obi? Yeah, we yeah, it. we do. Like that same yesterday at the start of the second half. Yeah, they like, put uh, Alisson, it's like they, they put a thing up yesterday, didn't they, about per- percentage saves, and Alisson was above everybody. And it's not a surprise because if teams are through one on one, and it, don't get me wrong, players are going to score some of them chances because they're top quality strikers and everything else. I always think he's going to save it. And it's that that's the level that we've got to. You remember when we had Simon Mignolet and it go through and anybody went through one on one, it was goal. It was always a goal. Now he had he had good attributes and he had other things he was good at as a goalkeeper, but one on one he was never gonna save it. You think if anybody gets a penalty against us, you always fancy Allison to save it. Mm-hmm. Um and he doesn't always, but it, it's just the level of confidence in that goalkeeper. He's assured. He seems to know what he needs to do. His passing's quality as well at the back, um, and he's he, he's 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 probably the biggest plus so far. To, in fairness, you're you're absolutely right to mention him because I think well, he, he is. That mind about four times there. <laughs> absolutely, it's, but, like it's Salah, it's yeah. Allison. <laughs> yeah, but don't, don't, don't you it. think it's good? Don't you think it's good that we've got positives because there was a lot of negativity around the club in the summer and it was understandable you must have been bored of me in the summer I was thinking we've just had the the season from hell for us to finish below Man United last season who are absolutely god-awful even when they were in the top four I knew they were crap and that just shows how crap we were Um, obviously I was devastated we didn't go in for Jude Bellingham we sold Fabinho. We didn't sign a, a CDM. So obviously, I just thought the writing's on the wall. But we've we look rejuvenated. The whole squad, not just Klopp. Klopp looks really up for it. He's got a sparkle in his eye again. He, um, we've all said we can see him extending his deal again. It just feels like we're building Liverpool 2.0, which Klopp said again. But yeah, I'm so surprised, but obviously delighted. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's I think it's something that. It'll be interesting to see in the next few months. I also don't think there's anybody in the league who's absolutely smashing it, if I'm being totally candid. There's nobody in that league that I think we ain't catching them. Um, I still think if, hand on heart, I still think City will probably win it. Um, yeah. But I would say there's a there's a chance for us, Arsenal and Tottenham, to all run them close. Um and I do think Chelsea will start to improve as well and shoot up the table. And we'll probably they see are, that. They? Yeah, they are. Newcastle as well. Newcastle are building up a head of steam now because they had a tough start, obviously playing us and Man City, but they're stringing the wins together and flying up that table. Absolutely. Um, but the thing is, of course, it's easy to say City will win it because they've got such a big squad packed full of 60, 70 million pound ballers. And that's the thing about City. If you look at Liverpool, if we win the league, we need players like Salah, um, Sabosley, McAllister, Van Dyke, Canate, Allison, all to play 38 games. The thing with City, barring their goalkeeper, they only need these big players to play around 30 games. They've got a squad so big. Um, I looked at it last season. I think there was only three or four players that played more than 30 games. Yeah. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. Like you've got Saka, uh, Odegaard at Arsenal trying to go toe to toe with them. They all played 37, 38 games. It was obviously Van Dyke, Salah. But if you look at Man City, I think they only had like Rodri, uh, Haaland, uh, maybe Kyle Walker. They were the only players that were 30 plus. Everyone else was 26, 37, 28 games. And it just, you can see it there. Um, But moving on to biggest disappointment so far, I think we've already touched on it. The biggest disappointment for us, obviously, is the refereeing and VAR. They've absolutely screwed us over with red cards. Obviously, the Luis Diaz offside. It feels like it's us against the world, doesn't it? It does, it does, but I mean, it, I don't, I don't want to focus too much on it because I think it could sidetrack our season. So, I mean, from my perspective, the biggest disappointment is the amount of games that we've gone behind one nil, Scott, because mm. we're putting ourselves under under pressure and it's unnecessary. Um, I would it's like exciting, to see us, though, isn't it? <laughs> it's exciting, and you know what? As a neutral, you'd, you'd be thinking, "I want to watch them because you never know quite what's going to happen, and they're probably going to concede." But They'll have all this attacking flair and, and great games. I mean, the game yesterday was a fantastic. I imagine it's fantastic as neutral to watch it. I'd rather we went and 
killed the game off, to be quite honest with you, because from my perspective, I'd rather we won the game. But I can yeah, see, I can see why people are enjoying watching us so much. I just, I just think we we need to tighten up defensively um, a little bit. I think there's still question marks around the the, the form of a few of them, um, and it's 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 a, it's, a, it's about us managing that and trying trying to start a game a bit quicker because um, if we concede the first goal against City, we're going to struggle. Um, and we need to we need to be ready for that, and we're not going to keep getting away with it by coming back. We might well do, to be fair, but it, it's going to become increasingly difficult because teams are going to shut up shop, and and some of the teams that we'll have coming up over the coming months will be better defensively than what we've what we've played against so far. Yeah, you're never going to win anything at one 0 down every game, are you? Um, so yeah, no. we've got to keep that habit. But oh, word for Ryan Gravenberg yesterday. Come on at halftime. That chance that hit the bar, I mean, how's your luck? Yeah. Um, if that had just went in the roof of the net, just a couple of inches below, man, would have been flying. I th- I'm, would have comfortably seen that game out, I think. I think it it would have invited them onto us and we could have got a fourth and a fifth, just like Villa slapped them 6-1. Absolutely. And I, th- I think I think it was these small margins, isn't it? We, we, we could have done that. I thought that Brighton really come back well, showed a lot of steel yesterday. Um, I don't quite know what Robbo was doing. That was madness. Um, saw, saw saw it about an hour ago, and I just looked away. To be honest with you, after I seen it, I thought it's just bizarre. And if even if he had a call, he's the first man. And you know what? If he put, sticks a leg out and it goes in, that's that happens. It happens. He must have. He must have had Joe Matip on his mind from the week before. And you if he did, if he, and then he, pull out. Yeah, if he did, that's 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 not a good place to be. So he just he just should have swung his foot at it. And if it goes if it goes in, it goes in. I would have rather he did that um, than just leave it and let of all people Lewis Dunk to sneak in. Yeah. Um, let's finish up with the next three home uh, next three games: Evan at home, Forest home, Luton away. That's nine from nine, isn't it? We're going to be top <laughs> of the league. You, you 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 know which one's going to be the toughest one, don't you? Probably looting away. <laughs> Just got this horrible feeling that we're going to go there and they're going to be absolutely bursting to have a and go I think it's us. on a Saturday night, is it? Or is it? And I think actually, I think it's a Sunday at half four. Is the it? Oh, game on Sunday, just, yeah. That's just going to be, it's a tight ground. It's just, it's got one of them looks of, you know how we traditionally struggle against at least one of the promoted teams? That's the game. That's the game I think we're going to struggle in. I can just see us, like the players going, what the hell is this? Not really knowing. None of them players would have played there before. They probably won't even know. They won't have seen the ground or anything. And they'll just be blown away by what they're, what they're watching and what they're seeing. And I think um, I can see that being tough. Everton at home should be a win. But they, they did have a bit of a show of form. But they'll they'll make it hard against us. I think Forest looked good in some games. I think they were a bit unlucky in some games. Um, I just think we look too strong at home now, Obi. We're back. Yeah. Like, um, Anfield is a real tough place to come to again. I can only see six points from six again um, from them two. Obviously, yeah. being the, the half-12 game on a Saturday again after an international break, you don't know what that's going to mean for the likes of Nunes, Luis Diaz. It's just our luck. And it's, again, the the FA are against us. They're punishing yeah. us. Aren't they? well, I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, ultimately, I think it's decided by the, um, the TV companies. It's a big, it's a big winner. I imagine the police have gone. We'd rather have a game earlier in the day as well, make it easier. So it's, it's always going to lend itself to that being the case. I just hope that the, the players either don't play um, when they're on uh, with their international teams or the. Um, they come back absolutely fine and raring to go because uh, in normal circumstances, if it wasn't an international break, I'd, I'd see that as a, as a relatively easy three points, but I do think it's going to be a little bit tougher. I think Forest, we should be okay, but they are a decent side, but just just got this feel about looting away. <laughs> Don't jinx it, mate. Don't jinx it. Um, but at least it's at home after this international break. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm just going to end up Sir Dow's still with us. Gravenbeck over Elliot all day long, mate. All day every long. Every day. Every day. Um, absolutely. Nothing against Elliot. I just question whether he's going to make it as a top flight baller with Liverpool FC 
good squad player, good off the bench, good to fill a hole when you've got injuries, suspensions, um, but the jury's out. But Gravenberg, get him in. He's ready. Um, if that means Thiago, CDM, Gravenberg, Sabosle, McAllister, Trent coming in there. We've got options. Who knows what's going to happen? Obi, I'm absolutely delighted that you've um, made a return to the channel. I hope you're not going to be a stranger and come on for more Liverpool match reactions or previews. Um, Absolutely. Again, I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, yeah, really have. If anyone's made it this far, don't forget to hit that like. And if you're new to the channel, make sure and hit that subscribe for more Liverpool and Manchester United content. Me, Travis, Ob, uh, our new member Naz, who's a Man U fan. We'll see you all on more videos. Nice one. Cheers, Ob. Thanks, everyone. Oh, you beauty! What a headshot!